Welcome to Distance and Intimate, a podcast hosted by the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice Committee of the James Madison University Student Government Association. We are excited to have this space to have intimate conversations about issues on diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice in the James Madison University community and our society in general. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another school year. Today, we're sitting down with some Latinx individuals uh, talking about the Latinx experience, and we're doing this in sorts to celebrate Latinx Heritage Month. So before we get started, we're going to introduce everybody. Uh, My name is Carla Hernandez. I'm a sophomore. I go by she, her pronouns. My major is a SMAD major and health science major. I'm part of the DEI committee in SGA, LSA, FAM, and the Alumni Association. Hi guys, my name is Veronica Lopez. I'm an international business major, second year, and my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm a part of LSA. Hi, I'm Kathy Escobar. I'm a sophomore here at James Madison University. My major is international business. I'm an LSA too. Hello everyone, my name is Tyler Jones. I'm a senior international affairs major from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, his. And I have the honor of serving as the president for the Black Student Alliance, as well as the vice provost for the New Lambda chapter of Kappa Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and the vice president for the Intercultural Greek Council here at James Madison University. Hey, my name is uh, David Gamboa Pena. Um, I'm a senior physics and math double major. I am the, also the president of the Latinx Student Alliance, and as well as the president for the Society of Physics Students. Thank you, everybody. Um, and just to get started, we're going to talk about where everybody is from. And my family is from El Salvador. My family is from El Salvador and Guatemala. My family is from Guatemala. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> so I have a bit of in- intersecting identities. My, um, my dad is black and my mother is Mexican and Cape Verdean. Uh, my whole family is from Colombia. Nice. Thank you, everybody. So then we're just going to be talking about just like the Latinx experience and what we like about our culture and what we like about our ethnicity and any traditions you want. Um, so I basically like, well, I was just talking to my like sister that I like horchata. You guys know horchata. We just drank right? horchata. Right? <laughs> and so basically we were just talking about like how food and we like to do like celebrations like the other day when we had the... Um, uh, the, it was the Latinx dance out on the Warner Commons. Mm-hmm. That was amazing because I just like all the food that we had there. Um, that's pretty much what I have to say. Does anybody? No, yeah. yeah I think me and Kathy, I can speak for Kathy and yeah. I. We <laughs> love horchata. We just came from eating tacos. Yeah. So, I mean, tacos, the carne asada, the So, yeah, for me, I'd have to say I love our culture where. It's like where art is related, music's related. Like I think we just have a different type of vibe than every other country has, and yeah. So I feel like most important parts are like the food, obviously, but also the music. I feel like it's such a big part of our culture, and like we mix like music and like food, like example like quinces and all that mm. stuff. Like that brings everybody together. I think that's just beautiful in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, so I'm also an African, African American diaspora studies minor as well, and I think one of the interesting things to learn about was kind of the roots of a lot of Latinx culture being rooted in African culture as well, mm-hmm. and like looking at dance and looking at mm-hmm. bomba and looking at plena and looking at, um, what was it he says, and like, La what is it, punta? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you're right in my head, that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, no, thinking like punta and stuff like that, and I had um, stepped out of my comfort zone my sophomore year and joined Grupo Candela, which is like mm-hmm. this dance team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that grew out of LSA, but in a sense, that grew me out of my comfort zone and really introduced me to like bachata, salsa, um, all different types of dance. Um, I think it's really cool how ultimately it's the language that brings us all together. Yeah. And like under that, all these countries and cultures and, and groups of people with, you know, such different backgrounds and, and you know, traditions. Uh, like for example, they were talking about uh, tacos. Like my family, when we came from Colombia, we hadn't heard of tortillas till we got to the United <laughs> States. Yeah. Um, but like, but like now, um, I will stamp that tacos are my favorite food yeah. uh, for sure. He does eat arepas, right? Is that what he yeah, does? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a, 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 another thing we need to highlight is just like being Latinx in the Jamie community. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to just like like how we identify as that, especially going to like a PWI and everything. Um, I, why I mentioned the like the Latinx uh, thing on the Warner Commons was because like that was my first event, like kind of feeling like I kind of belonged here kind of thing, just because last year, you know, COVID was so difficult. I'm a sophomore, so like I didn't really attend many events last year. So I think that was like an important thing to see, to like see our like culture just like being expressed. I don't know, something like that. If you guys want to like ex- like share a moment where you felt like you kind of belonged here like you felt like there was a community or something yeah. I feel that whenever I'm like with my LSA like people will like I feel like if I didn't have LSA like I would be so lost right now mm-hmm. but yeah I feel like they're like a huge part of like me being comfortable here at James Madison University mm-hmm. yeah um I guess for me I would touch on it um that I feel like I struggled when I was a kid in terms of like not being black enough for black people, but also not being Hispanic enough for yeah. Hispanic people. And I was like, and I grew up in a household where like English was the first language. Mm-hmm. And then um, like my mother wasn't really surrounded by the Mexican culture as well. So it's like that type of connection I really didn't have. But I've learned like on my own in terms of like who I interact with, but also like who I surround myself with and what I'm interested in personally. I'm um, trying to tap into those roots. Um, but here, at JMU, I knew coming to a PWI that I was going to be surrounded by a whole bunch of people and walk past a whole bunch of people that I couldn't relate to or didn't know and was just like, mm, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Heavy on the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I was found um, by Kelsey Garcia, who was a former VP for LSA, but also um, she kind of got me into LSA as well my freshman year. And ever since then, I've been involved ever since I became secretary, became VP, and then um, yeah, it really provided us forum here at JMU to really showcase the culture and showcase um, that we are here and that like majority, even that connection between the JMU community and the Harrisonburg community that I feel like is a bridge that kind of needs um, some work on as well. But yeah, for me, having grown up in Harrisonburg, actually being an extremely diverse community from all kinds of countries, not just you know the Latinx ones. Um, it was a bit of a culture shock coming to James Madison. Um, I definitely I definitely knew the demographics. I had sort of been on the edge of the bubble, you know, just growing up. But when I was really placed into this, I guess, this PWI, um, it was a bit hard to find, like, a home at first. And it was really interesting because I, went fam- I joined FAM, the mm-hmm. Filipino Americans at Madison, because I had other friends there. And if you think about like our history and how, you know, the colonial aspect from Spain, um, a lot of that like, you know, trickled down into their cultures as well. And I I felt a connection with them through there. But when I finally, you know, had some older, older students, shout out, uh, you know, Jeff and Diana, 
um, bring me into LSA. Like it was, it was insane. Just like you know, being in a group and of people, and you just hear them like speaking your language. Right. Like that's just like it. Mm-hmm. It just clicked like crazy. Like, like, <clears throat> like it was just unfelt of like for my first year essentially, plus some at JMU, and like we just I wasn't really aware, you know, how powerful it was, and I hadn't really taken the step. And I think like that's the thing when you're placed into this like environment, you really have to sort of go out of your way and like really grasp an opportunity and like sometimes go out of your comfort zone um, to like sort of find that home, which, you know, you would expect to be welcoming in the first place. Um, But it's sort of hard to do that uh, within everything else that goes on. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. Um, We're going to go into just about holding Jamie accountable, just just holding Jamie accountable in general for like anything, especially like that they don't like really cater to like minorities on campus and things. So we're just gonna get into that. So whoever wants to go can go. So I feel like um, at Cobb, that's where literally I live and me and her live. Yeah. I feel like that's like a big part where this is like needs to be heard. Cause it's just full of that type of like white um, males. Yes, and those are the ones that like to, you know, not really like woke, I guess. And I feel like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like uncomfortable there, and like I have to like hide in so- some type of way, and I shouldn't. Like, and I just, I guess that's what also like motivates me to be like the best I can. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. I feel like in Cobb, sometimes I feel like like that but it pushes me in some sort of type of way. Yeah, yeah. no, a thousand percent. Like for me yesterday, I was at Panera, I was with Kathy (laughs) and I literally broke down just because I, to be able to walk around campus as a person of color, you have to have tough skin. Oh yeah. You'll get looks wherever you go. And like, that's one of the hardest things that I had to like adjust. Um, I come from a very diverse place back at home and like Woodbridge, it's pretty diverse. So coming here, it was just like, I guess you could say a culture shock, and I didn't know where to fit in. Um, Back home, I'd always be told, oh, you talk white, you speak white, and I'm just like, how do you talk white? So then coming down here, it was just more of a like, like, who am I? So it was just kind of like a, like a, a tough phase in my life, I guess you could say. But um, luckily, I met Kathy, and she brought me to LSA, where I think I've, I've found my people, and I feel comfortable talking about these topics, and I definitely think um, this podcast could bring awareness to what needs to be said and heard around JMU. Um, so, yeah. I would definitely say, I feel like one of the things that have recently come to my mind is that, yes, LSA is here for the Latinx community and serves like as that purpose to be the voice for the community and provide that culture and say that we are here at JMU here within Harrisonburg. I don't believe that that should only rely on LSA, if that makes sense. It's the same way that the university kind of puts all like uh, multicultural diversity type efforts onto CMIS. Um, and I feel like we, as like LSA in that sense, can't walk the halls with you if that makes sense like we we provide that like that center for you to come and like because i remember coming to gbm and i said who is this i said all of y'all go here i said you're joking right like (laughs) where you been that's what i'm saying but it's like it's like that type of like awareness and that type of support is not seen throughout campus like within dining halls like that type of food like airmark has like an insane amount of control over that type of food and we just talked about recently how food is so 
deeply rooted within our culture and we can't really like have a lot of like leniency in that sense to connect with outside businesses where a lot of the businesses outside in Harrisonburg and outside of the Jamie community are pe people of color owned or owned by Hispanics a lot of the time and like I don't think there are a lot of opportunities to connect with them and or you know lift up the gates mm. of the campus and open open towards them so um let me just like pretense by like saying that I appreciate so much what CMIS has done for our communities 100%. um and like one can acknowledge that there's certain administration that has shown an uh, increased effort in you know sort of opening up you know our stories or our experience around campus uh however like you know simply when you look at something so blatant as a demographic um mm -hmm. that's like not representative on you know, a local, state, or national level. Um, I think from there, uh, some accountability that could come from JMU is is uh, disclosing the, their conversations regarding that. Um, I wonder if, uh, you know, recruiting and uh, like that demographic is, you know, complacent. Um, you know, I would have to hope that's the case, um, you know, rather than intentional. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like that would be one thing that they could really, you know, maybe set a lot of a peace of minds by, you know, explaining, you know, what their efforts are in this sense. Um, I think that what uh, Ty was saying about like a lot of the responsibility falls on like these multicultural groups like LSA or like, you know, the, the, the amazing people running CMIS. Um, I think that like that really sort of pushes us into a corner rather than really expanding us um, because uh, there isn't a ton of push from the university uh, for, you know, the students uh, to really like try to take advantage of these programs and to really like experience something that is, you know, really worldly and, and really important, especially in this day and age. And I feel like just to bridge off of that, like a huge thing is really to keep your eye out in terms of the support that you see now because it is Hispanic Heritage Month. Where is that going to be in December? Right. Where mm -hmm. will it be in March? Where will it be in right. January? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like you, the spotlight's on us now right. because obviously it's mm -hmm. like Latinx Heritage Month. Like, yeah. But then it's like afterwards, where do we go? Right. Uh, we're still here, right. but it's like in terms of university support and, and right. coverage, it's like mm, right. you have your own little corner. You have LSA. like. Right. Because yeah, so. putting up flags like by D Hall, it's great and all. Seeing all these international flags, seeing international students like taking pictures with these flags, because of course we like feel welcomed and stuff. But where is this gonna be next semester? Right. Mm -hmm. Um. It's not just a September October type of thing. It's like it's a forever thing. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like I want to feel accepted and welcomed, all all year round, not just yeah. in September. And I feel like it goes into like <clears throat> the just honestly the performative like showcase that the university kind of has in the sense of um in terms of numbers like diversity numbers like oh yeah jamie is diverse you know they'll put us on the front page yeah. of the magazine or they'll put us mm -hmm. on the front page Don't for the website they'll have <laughs> <laughs> right, our events they'll be at our events and then they'll have the cameras right, but then right. it's like yeah. my problem is is that one touching on david's point in terms of transparency with those numbers i've asked multiple times in terms of facts and figures why we don't why we aren't more transparent about the actual facts and figures and not just showing 
the demographics for the freshmen, the mm. yeah, the fresh the first year class that just came in, it only gives the numbers for those and then it groups us all into one category, minority students. There's international mm-hmm. students and there's minority students. There's no breakup of it of the current demographics of everybody who's already here or even within those those groups, those subgroups mm. that fall under minority students. And um I feel like that's one of the things that has to be worked on because it's not just about recruiting in the sense of we have to have a lot we need to get we need to get them here but once they're here how are you supporting how are right. you keeping them here yeah. right. you know that retention where it's like where, right. where's yeah. the support that yeah. once they come here that they don't just have a yeah. home within LSA but they have a home within their major within yeah. their college within sure. their residence hall mm-hmm. even right. yeah. so I think that's just one of the things that has to be worked on and has to be more transparent yeah. about because I feel like my freshman year I feel like I was so like far away like uh, we didn't have the LSA. Um, I was literally like low key, like sad all the time because I didn't have that like connection with my like with my people or like also like the like food here just was not like it was not my it. food. It's still not it. <laughs> so it's just no. like whole like bad thing. So like like you said, if they had like resources for like freshmen or literally like any year for like to actually like help them like the minorities or like us to like feel at home, that'll be like literally the best thing they could do. Because like the way how I felt probably a whole lot of people feel like that but like it's just not not it it's, it's not, not the best spoken. yeah and then they feel like oh jamie like sucks but it literally doesn't though but it would be better if they had those resources yeah. right but yeah. it, i feel like it all starts with as a freshman or as whatever year you are like taking that first step and taking mm-hmm. that leap into finding your resources and finding your orgs yeah. and finding your home where you feel comfortable you know not necessarily like with diversity and like where like you see hispanic people or black people but more of like people that accept you Mm -hmm. for who you are as you are so another thing that I want to go back to was just how I just I just want to like um talk about how we should give credit to like a lot of the student leaders that we have on campus especially the minority ones uh just because like they 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 have to deal with so much especially like I know like Ginger goes through a lot having to meet with uh you know like higher ups and having to do a lot of uh you know work to do that and it's just just like hearing like these stories that like she tells us like you know it's just like a very difficult to hear especially because you're part of that you know like you're she's representing us so it's kind of like if they're not willing to hear about us it's kind of weird like Mm -hmm. you know like so you know i just want to give credit to student leaders on campus and then we're just gonna go talk about a little round of applause and then we're just gonna go talking about how we can better like the harrisonburg community to better like assist and advocate for the like latinx community that lives in harrisonburg um i think david (laughs) knows more about this but um yeah and how we can like embrace like you know heritages around and then like make the university more inviting i think I feel like if we answer this question too quickly mm-hmm. or we try to find our own answers, mm-hmm. um, we just revert back to, you know, that pattern of, you know, placing all the responsibility on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think like from from like the topic of transparency and accountability, it'd be very interesting to see, you know, a rigorous or, or you know, quote unquote rigorous, you know, action plan or you know what um, the university itself first of all really wants to do um, in terms of like you know the demographic or in terms of where they think the community needs help because ultimately um, if we don't know uh, their true intentions uh, whatever we say is gonna end up getting you know um, sort of you know murky 
and like wash down as it goes up like you know the chain of command and it's, it's just going to allow them to implement their own intentions and as we've said now like we don't we don't know what those are and, and at, at best um you know in the situation we have we sort of hope like you know maybe they're not aware that there's an issue you know maybe maybe they're complacent as i was saying earlier that there's an issue or that there's issues that you know could be could be worked on i think like the point really comes down is like down to like creating a real like working relationship um and a genuine working relationship and not simply you know something performative um or like you know uh like sort of sort of false just to check off the boxes mm -hmm. and you know um you you can say that like yeah we do this and that but ultimately is that is that really what we need to be doing um but you know from there there's there's a there's loads of things that can be done um, within the community uh, and it's really just 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 getting getting on top of that action and sort of putting boots on the ground there's there's like so many uh, communities in town like from at-risk communities um, to uh, you know kids uh, that could use mentoring to adults that could use English learning services mm -hmm. or um, tra uh, translation interpretation services uh, to you know trying to make an effort to build some type of pipeline from you know people who are already living in the area to taking classes and attending JMU. Um, I think there's so much that can be done. However, uh, I think first we need to really f figure out what the intentions of the decision makers are. Just to bridge off of that, I think one of the points that comes to mind for me is, one of the things I'm reminded about is, um, when we had the March Against ICE um, through LSA. And one of the things that I became enlightened on was the fact that even though Harrisonburg is a refugee sanctuary city, we still house an ICE detention center within mm. the city itself. Mm. Crazy. Yeah, I didn't know I did that. Not know that. Isn't that yes. I so did not know that. that was one of the like eye-opening things for me mm -hmm. and just being like, wow. That's and, scary. And I think it really is scary to <laughs> yeah. think about. And then it's like, um, in terms of bridging that, that divide as well, like there are just so many businesses and communities out here outside of our gates that I feel like we can do more in terms of connecting with them and providing them a forum, like even with like the farmer's market, like mm -hmm. even directing it towards, you know, um, local businesses, um, even though I'm pretty sure the farmer's market has local businesses, but in that sense mm -hmm. of like catering towards that type of community and that demographic and that type of awareness. I think also I'll add on to that as well <laughs> um, in terms of the university. So I'm, I'm a part of the anti-racist gen ed project class that's currently being taken place um, among other students that's currently working towards how we can rework the general education curriculum and the overall academic curriculum here at the predominantly white institution of James Madison University. I think one of the key things to keep in mind is the type of system that we've ultimately become a part of, um, just in the sense of, unless we, I'm forgetting the quote that I learned about, but unless you're, unless, when you're an educator within the system, you are either an oppressor or a revolutionary. I apologize that I can't cite who that quote was, but in the sense of reworking that JMU was not always JMU, but the uh, industrial normal school for women, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. which was catered towards white women at the time. 
And I think it's important to keep in mind that the first graduate of color was a black woman by the name of Dr. Shiri Johnson, who was just um, recently acknowledged for having the her name on one of the buildings that we recently had to work to rename, which was, ooh, child battle in and of itself. <laughs> but um, it goes to show the type of roots that we're working out of in the sense right. of if we really need to take a look and see what type of curriculum do we really build off of and who that was kind of geared towards in terms of even to think about higher education overall in and of itself in terms of who it was catered towards who it was meant for who kind of had the opportunity to and who even had the privilege in order to assume the role or even graduate or even be accepted onto the campus itself mm -hmm. um, so i think that within that class that's what we're currently trying to work towards in terms of um, one, the main thing is faculty in terms of how the university is looking for faculty of color and looking towards faculty who are able and um, educated and experienced in the, in the realms within LACS, which is the Latin American Caribbean Studies, as well as the um, AAADU, African African American Diaspora Studies Center. Um, looking towards faculty who can fulfill more of those roles and to offer more sections within these type of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion centered courses. I, I want to like sort of add on to a few things that, that Ty just spoke on. Uh, first of all, is like sort of like accepting the system that we, we've entered at JMU. Like what he was saying that like the university started out for you know white women and has grown from there. So like it, it's pretty it, it's pretty apparent that a curriculum um, that is being taught by professors uh, that are of of, a, of another generation. You know, um, I think like oftentimes you know uh, we sort of chalk up a bunch of like aggressions or or misunderstandings or or like other people you know sort of attacking us as oh they're part of a different generation they don't understand um but then when you think about like the generation before them who taught them i think like we can either draw a bigger contrast and and you know what what people back way back then were teaching the people who are now teaching us um so i think it's that's that'd be an extremely important thing to to work on as far as like you know who, who are the professors are and um what kinds of things they're teaching i think that uh Another thing that like I've noticed is that like from uh, like JMU Facebook pages or like the local like local news Facebook page, when the news was coming up about uh, the renaming of the buildings or before they were even officially going to be renamed, and you know there was protests and and mm -hmm. and and, sh and like activist showings for that, the the comment section was probably some of the most violent disturbing heinous speech against like young people that I, I've ever seen and I, it's extremely disturbing and, and it's scary like it's honestly like like who knows like one of those people commenting was could have been the person who defaced the spirit rock right when mm -hmm. when when that when the spirit rock was painted on Facebook. In, mm -hmm. in, in support um, I think uh, I wonder if like sometimes like I know like being a public institution or being like a news media institution like you really do have to respect that like you know freedom of speech right. uh, however like I think that they can also show support um, in that sense too I think like if if administration or people who you know are the ones who can show that support to us if they read those comments and and really had no comment 
like I, I think that's that's disturbing. Yeah. Um, so I wonder I wonder if they really looked through those kinds of things and noticed that you know um, the community around us you know does not does not care for a lot of the work that students here want to do. Not even just you know students of color, but also you know white students because mm. when we say like you know is predominantly white um you know if the shoe fits but it's not it's not everybody and that shouldn't really have to be said but i think i think it'd be good to say for anybody who ends up listening to this but then from there sorry i lost my train of thought again um but um i don't know i'll think about it i gotta think about what he was saying i can say something um a whole lot of like not only james madison but like a whole lot of like places all like literally in the united states or anywhere like do a lot of things for show and i just wish that wasn't like a thing i wish they just did out of like because they want to and they want to show like the recognition and like how like they're actually like proud of like our heritage or like where we come from and i wish that it sucks how it's just like for show or for like for money and just for like just for a month yeah for clout literally we were just like you like this just like the wrong they just don't have the good like mindset or like heart to like i don't know really appreciate that instead of just for show which is i wish that or like sweeping sweeping it under the rug you know like why not why not talk about it Mm -hmm. like why what are you hiding like yeah yeah because they don't really because i think at the renaming ceremony last friday they had started off by talking about the land that even JMU is built on, which is stolen indigenous land. Mm. Um, but also, it, it bears me to also just talk about going back to, in terms of the university, even looking at the pausing of the DEI training for the importance right. of student yeah, affairs. Exactly. Like, I feel like that really goes to show, like, at the end of the day, <coughs> we really aren't seen as, like, students or humans, but as, like, their numbers on mm-hmm. their Excel sheets or, like, the dollar sign. And I feel like with the pausing of it to reword it, right. um, I feel like just really was a slap in the face to students of color yeah. and the students of color within this community because it really showed whose whose check had more zeros at the end of it and right. whose voices were louder right. than right. ours and our experiences because right. at the end of the day, it's like the naming, the rechanging of the buildings, they were, um, it was very hard to do. But at the same time, it's like, you're listening to students who are saying these are the problems that we're having we're having with it but on the other end they're like mm, but we're gonna lose some money from them donors yeah. we gotta yeah. we gotta think yeah. we gotta yeah. think about board of visitors here yeah. we can't accept yeah. money makers yeah. now yeah. we can't accept alumni See, who are sending like, us money it's, like, it's right. the students doing all that work hey. why mm. are the students doing all that work like, <laughs> when it's literally the students yeah, yeah literally yeah, like you the people up there need to set the example for us not we set the example for exactly. them yeah. like we for shouldn't real. be going through this yeah. like yeah. no shout out this to the black backwards. leadership yeah. coalition yeah. shout out to shout them, out to them. <laughs> because i just i'm honestly it's and i've heard it too because it's like at the end of the day speaking as a student leader it is a lot but it's it's the work that i'm willing to do because mm-hmm. i love what i do right. and advocating for mm-hmm. these groups is why i became president for the black student alliance why i assumed mm-hmm. the role of vice president for latinx student alliance and it's because there are voices that need to be heard and there are stories that need to be heard as well. And um, at the end of the day, you're right. We should be focused on what? Getting a degree. Because yeah, right. that's what we're paying yeah, the right. big bucks for. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but if I'm going to, you know, by the time within my four, four or five years or whatever, if I'm willing to create, plant some seed for change, then that's what I'm willing to do. Um, but it is upsetting that a lot of the work is having to, 
um, because of course our experiences and our voices should be invited into these conversations and we should definitely have yep. a say mm -hmm. but the amount of pushback that we get because we're defending either tenured faculty or faculty mm -hmm. who don't want to do it or don't want it or don't you know saying blah blah blah, blah yeah that's a problem so yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is like our school. Like we go here, we pay to go here. Mm -hmm. So like, why are they worried about it? I understand they work here, but like, we live here. We are gonna. That's the name that it's gonna go on our diploma when we graduate. Like, we have to be comfortable here and welcomed here. So. Yeah. And yeah. serious thing is that they're the ones who are here after we leave. Yeah. Because eventually yeah. we do have to leave, right. but they're the ones who still are under contract or yeah. still working here, still employed by here, and like. Yeah. Are invited year after year, and like administrators who are here under contract and are. Uh, they're the ones that we basically have to lead the seeds of change as well as the students who come behind us which right. is why succession planning and within our orgs and is so important yeah. um, for have to have someone who can carry the mission because it's not just about the current students here but those who follow after right. us and mm -hmm. if Jamie was really gonna want a diverse student body well then you also need to have the, that support yeah. that we talked right. about and that resources to keep them here mm -hmm. so. and that's why I'm so thankful that we have like these little chats and we just learn from each other and and hopefully we could continue this with other first year students that continue to come in. So, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that was really good. Um, we're just gonna have. Uh, we just want to elaborate on like moving forward with SGA because this is like the DI committee. This like, so what we want to do is just like how could like we advocate for like the Latinx community here through like doing like petitions and not petitions, but doing like. New bills, new bills, that's what I meant, to pass in, like, Senate and all that, to just, like, move on forward. So I think how would we go forward with that? What would you guys, like, propose? Um, I think even though, <laughs> even though numbers are small, faculty, um, I think, are definitely still a resource at the end of the day. Um, shout out to Dr. Montoya in the Honors College, um, and shout out to Karina, Karina Klein Gable. Um, those two I can name off the top of my head as being, like, warriors in this fight. Um, and they're ones that I think, yes, they're in terms of connection, in terms of the community um, and enacting lasting change. I think it's great to connect with them as well um, in terms of creating change with curriculum or even bettering the relationships on campus. And what was their name again? Yes, uh, like okay. <laughs> so yes, it's Dr. <laughs> Dr. Fawn Amber Montoya in the Honors College and then Karina Klein-Gable. Um, yes, but in terms of uh, that type of connection towards bills, I think they offer um, an excellent opportunity called the Madison Hispanic Caucus, which brings together not only mm -hmm. students, but also community <coughs> leaders as well as faculty, um, and is a great place to kind of um, do the grassroots work um, and kind of get a first-hand experience onto what's what it's like being a student at JMU and as well as being a student of color out in the world. Yeah, I feel like there's powers in numbers, so mm -hmm. uh, like when we, the more people that know, we're actually gonna see change. So, I mean, and obviously like talk to them and like some way it changed their hearts because a whole lot of people need that and to be open-minded, which is gonna be hard for a lot of people here, but um, we try, so I guess that's what's gonna work. So yeah. Um, I think like in terms of like structural change, um, it's sort of hard to ask that question of people who you know may not be aware of like how that structure is is, is made or implemented. Um, but I think like one thing that maybe could I don't know if I'm on the mark, I'm off the mark or what, but like I think like 
when when somebody who looks like the majority comes to JMU, I wonder if they're aware of the the system they're per perpetuating. Because mm. um, honestly, like if, if we took these demographics, um, but we placed them in what like the fifties, you'd think you know this the school was segregated or had just barely you know broken out of that. Um, so like uh, just from that like like can there be a disclaimer you know to people when they come to this university to know that you know you you're you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like if if you think that you know the way that the demographics are, are represented here if you think that's not a problem then or like I think like like first you have to ask yourself right so I think like that like forcing people to ask themselves like am I part of the problem or the solution I think being you know a white person coming to school doesn't mean you're part of the problem but I think it means like you can maybe take some steps or maybe the university can can help you take some steps to be part of the solution um, so I think like just just like more transparency mm -hmm. and and especially to first years and especially to people when they're uh, touring campus um, to let them know that like this this university has history and and a lot of it is not not great mm -hmm. um, but like of course it has a lot to come um, and and while like you know I feel blessed to be here um, I think a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of you all would feel the same way but um, I think like there's still there's still a lot that can be done. And I feel like just hopping off of Kathy's point in terms of like there's power in numbers, um, like leadership is about action, not position. Um, and I say that to say that even though being a student leader and we're here like to kind of hold the microphone as well to um, amplify your voice as well, I feel like we're also here as terms of like resources as well. And like, like I said, to put that mic towards you because I feel like um, it can be daunting, I feel like, to, to go into the email box or request a meeting with like this the associate vice provost or the vice president of student affairs or mm -hmm. this, that, or whatever title. Um, but I feel like at the end of the day, that shouldn't discourage you from doing so. Because at the end of the day, that's why they're there. And just because they are have a title, they still serve you as a student, as faculty, and as administration. Um, but I think it's those type of first-hand experiences that needs to be heard by those who don't necessarily have DEI next to their name and are automatically put into these spaces, if that makes sense. So I think it's those that aren't always sent into these rooms or sent into these conversations that need to actually hear these conversations and hear these experiences firsthand in order to really see what problems that we need to address and that's why um, plugging in the climate survey, fill it out. JMU, JMU.edu slash speaks dash ups dash gooks. Please do so because I feel like at the end of the day, we don't really have a lot of opportunities open to us as students to speak to administration or speak to the overall university staff about our, our firsthand experiences and stories even before we came to JMU and how that kind of affected our worldview lens. Um, but I say that to say that I um, feel like that type of quantitative data needs to be supplemented by qualitative in the sense of maybe, for example, a town hall um, where we speak firsthand with administration um, as well as those, I will say, senior leadership team, senior leadership team <laughs> um, that aren't really seen as much within these spaces that need to kind of show their faces and not only 
show their faces, but kind of open their ears and listen to understand and not listen to answer in terms of what we're already doing or we're mm-hmm. doing this, we're da 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 da, we have this, we just hired who so and so, da 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 da. That's that's not what we're asking for. So right. I think I would like to hear like a direct response from administration or other higher ups in the university to this podcast. Like yeah. specifics, you know. Yeah. Um, not just like, oh that was good or, you know, yeah. something like that. But yeah. you know, break it down, you know, annotate it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like if they're they not can, gonna grade you. If they can make a review video about taking down the training, yeah. make a review about this and mm-hmm. see what yeah. you have to say. See the numbers on the like the survey. Hopefully they don't hide all that stuff. That's the things we need. So mm-hmm. to make the change. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the survey will be um I know it's open until October fifteenth. And luckily, um one of the recommendations that was made by the previous task force was that it was outsourced to another company to be analyzed and not by okay. in-house, okay. which is very good. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Because yes. you know they would they would have went through that and be like, "What do I like? What do I not like?" <laughs> you talking bad about Jamie? Let me. That's gone. Um, but I think the importance of that outsourcing is that right that bias is kind of lowered, and then um, I do believe it should be results by like the spring. Okay. Um, Soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like to touch back on in terms of the importance of like a town hall type of event, I feel like we can't wait and not do anything until the spring. Right. Because they're going to be like, well, let's wait for the survey responses to really see. Well, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, survey responses are the the response pool is somewhat limited in the sense of who's actually going to right. sit there, open their laptop, finish it until the end, and, yeah. and hit, right, take mm-hmm. that time and hit submit. Um, but it needs to be supplemented by those who are passionate enough or want to speak their truth and want to speak their story in person. And I feel like at that point, when we take the time to look past the numbers and look behind the, the dollar sign and actually see the student and hear the experience and see that, oh, wow, this is a, a person who went through this on yeah. a campus that I work for, right. you know? Yeah. So um, I feel like that's one of the things that kind of needs to happen in the meantime while we wait for that data, data to be analyzed. And they do even might supplement it in a way to see like, oh, we're seeing the trends. <laughs> this is what the in-person people said. This is what the data says. So, right. yeah. Okay, that was really good. Um, thank you, everyone. Uh, just to qu- please do the climate survey study. Please do that. What please. was the link we're again? Yes, slash speaks dash up dash dukes. Do it right now. Go ahead. Right. Pause a moment. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to finish off, we encourage like everyone that's listening, um, just to like reach out to people, just like you know, reach out to like the minority like uh, organizations on campus, and just like really get into the work. And I just want to thank every one of you for coming out and helping this. And I think that's that's all the time we have for today. But thank you, everybody, and I think we're done. Bye, guys. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you. Round of applause for everybody. <laughs> If you'd like to be featured on our podcast or even have a topic that you would like to discuss, you can DM us on Instagram at JMUSGA. As previously mentioned, if you are a current JMU student, please fill out the JMU Campus Climate Survey at the website www.jmu.edu speak up dukes. Please subscribe and rate us on any platform if you enjoyed. Thanks for listening.